0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa bihi nasta'een wa nusalli wa nusallimu ala afdalil khalqi ajma'in Nabiyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa tabi'ina wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsan ila yawm al-deen wa baad. We commence by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sending blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his entire household. May Allah bless them all, his companions as well, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every single one of us and grant us all goodness. Beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we were in the midst of the battle of the Ahzab, the battle of the confederates, and we had made mention of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a powerful wind and some rain, tornado and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dispersed them. It is important that we make mention of the time of digging the trench. When they were digging the trench as we had said, a 10 kilometer long trench, 22 feet wide, 16 feet deep. Subhanallah. It was a large trench, mashallah. And it was only around parts of Medina Munawwara and we made mention of the reason of that. The Prophet ﷺ and his companions were so dedicated in digging that they would not leave even to relieve themselves without the permission of Rasulullah ﷺ. Whenever they needed to do something, they would ask his permission and then leave. It was easy for them to go and to come back without really being noticed. But they were so honest, they did not want to be seen as people who were not fulfilling their duty or making others do what they are supposed to be doing. You see, when it comes to hard work, many people have a bad habit. And that is, they wait for others to do the hard work and then the name is theirs, Mashallah, You know, the work is someone else's and they want to join in whenever there's goodness. And they say, we achieved. But where were you, my brother? You were nowhere to be seen. So the Sahaba عنهم, were not like that. They used to work very hard and they were from amongst those Ask the Prophet Sallallahu I need to go, I will come back. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises them in the Quran using the following words. وَإِذَا كَانُوا مَعَهُ عَلَىٰ أَمْرٍ جامع لم يذهبوا حتى حتى The true believers are those who believe in Allah and in the messenger. And when they are engaged in some collective activity, they do not leave except after seeking permission. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who seek your permission, they are true believers in Allah and His messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wa And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, from amongst those who seek your permission, you may permit them. He used to permit them, but he had the option of not allowing them as well. Yet he used to allow them, sallallahu wasallam. Another very important statement made by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa during... That time when they were digging and the dua that was being made when the enemies had come he used to say la ilaha illallah wahdahu sadaqa wa wa jundahu wa al subhanallah the meaning of which is there is none worthy of worship besides Allah alone he has fulfilled his promise to his worshipper Allah promised him victory And he has assisted his slave, Nasara abdahu. And he has granted strength to his army. Strength was granted to the Muslim army. And he has destroyed the confederates on his own. own. Which means it was Allah who chased away these allies. And it was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. He is the one who sent the wind. And the angels, as Allah says, إِذْ جَاءَتْكُمْ جُنُودٌ فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ وجنود تروها. Remember the time when the forces came against you and we sent upon them the wind and armies that you could not see from amongst the angels. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us always. Also, we should know a lesson for all of us the help of Allah comes after great tests and difficulty. When you are in the hardest moments of your life, you should know the doors are about to open. You are the closest to the opening of the doors. And this is something which is sunnatullah. It is the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the system of Allah. The Quran is full of verses that show us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has tested prophet after prophet until when they were at the peak of The test. The doors opened one after the other. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them help. So this is a point of comfort for us all. In life, when we are going through difficulties, do not despair. Sometimes you get to the peak and you think, you know what, there's nothing I can do now. I'm fed up, I'm tired. No, it's the point to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never lose hope in His mercy. You are the closest you ever were to the doors of victory. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Protect us and grant us ease in every of our difficulties. Also, when the Prophet ﷺ was destroying one of the huge boulders that the Sahaba anhum could not destroy, as he said Allahu Akbar and took the hammer and knocked the the boulder, he broke it into one piece and he said Allahu Akbar. I have just been given the keys to asham, which means Allah has granted me victory over Asham, the Syrian-Palestinian region, as we would call it today, known as Asham at that time. And subhanallah, he says, I can see its palaces. This was when he struck it the first time. He struck it again. He says, Allahu Akbar, I have been granted Persia. When he struck it again. And when he struck it the third time, he says, Allahu Akbar, I have been granted the keys of Yemen. The third time he said this. And the hypocrites were busy laughing. They said, this man... He's promising us victory. When we go out to relieve ourselves right now, we are so frightened. And he is telling us that he is going to be victorious. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him victorious. And we bear witness that Islam has spread far and wide. Yet at that time, they were busy digging a little trench. Allahu Akbar. Look at the sacrifice of the Sahaba. This is why we say, May peace be upon them. Radiyallahu anhum. Allah be pleased upon them. Had it not been for their sacrifice, one wonders where we would have been sitting today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to be grateful and to ponder over the gift upon us and to ponder over the sacrifice of those and to ask ourselves, what are we ready to sacrifice? Sometimes we're not ready to sacrifice our sleep for salah. And sometimes we are not ready to sacrifice our desires to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. We had also made mention of Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl who had tried to come through the the trench and he was attacked. Khalid ibn al-Walid who was on the side of the mushriks on that day had also tried. And because... He was one who was very intelligent on the day of Uhud. The Prophet ﷺ had set aside Usaid ibn Hudayr with 200 men telling him, just watch Khalid. Just make sure that he does not come about to engage in something similar to that which he did in the past. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all protection. And as for the hypocrites, on that day they were laughing and they said, there is no chance that you people can actually be victorious over 10,000 powerful men who have come heavily armed from all different tribes and groups. They have allied together and they have come against you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they sought to excuse themselves saying, you know we have to look at our own homes, there are uh, difficulties we are facing, our women are not protected and so on. So we need to go, and Allah exposes them in Surah Al Ahzab. Allah says, "These are hypocrites; they lie to you." Wa ta'ifatum minhum ya yathrib la Remember, there was a group from amongst you who had said, "O oh people of Medina, O oh people of Yathrib, go back because you will not be able to face this enemy." وَيَسْتَأْذِنُ فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمُ النَّبِيِّ يَقُولُونَ إِنَّ بُيُوتَنَا عَوْرًا وَمَا هِيَ بِعَوْرًا إِنْ يُرِيدُونَ إِلَّا فِرَارًا And a group from amongst them came to you excusing themselves with the excuse that our homes are exposed. Allah says their homes were not exposed, they only wanted to run away from the battlefield. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al Ahzab has revealed so many verses exposing these hypocrites and telling us. <laughs> Say, O oh Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tell them you will never be able to run away if you are trying to run away from death or from being killed at the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for you. You won't be able to run away. You know, if we take a look at Khalid ibn al-Walid radiyallahu anhu at this moment he was from amongst the mushrik army. Later on he accepted Islam. And when he passed away, he passed away on his deathbed. He was not a martyr who had martyred on the field of battle. No. He passed away on his deathbed. And he showed the people the gashes that he had had all over his body. And he says, I would just like this to serve as a lesson to those who are full of cowardice. That as much as I have fought, and everyone knew that Khalid ibn al-Walid, he was even known as Sayfullah. He was known as the sword of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, as much as I fought, Allah had not written death for me on the battlefield, but wrote it on my bed at home. namat a'yunul jubana. So let the eyes of the coward not be sealed and closed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a lesson. Thereafter, we had the head of Banu Qurayza, whose name was Ka'b ibn Asad. This Ka'b ibn Asad, he had broken the treaty during the battle of the confederation, the confederates that had come. It is known as Ghazwatul Ahzab because they had allied together. It is also known as Al-Khandaq because of the trench that they had dug. The Banu Qurayza broke their treaty, we spoke about it yesterday. This Ka'b ibn al-Asad, he had tried to harm the Muslim women. And he had tried to harm the Muslims. The Prophet ﷺ first sent Az-Zubair ibn al-Awwam tells him, go and see what these people are doing. He came back and he says, O Messenger they are protecting themselves, they are building their fort properly, and they are trying to open up a pathway in order to come and attack us perhaps, or in order to join those, and in order to assist them. So the Prophet ﷺ, to confirm this news, he sent three people. He sent Sa'd ibn Mu'adh, Sa'd ibn Ubadah, and Abdullah ibn Rawaha. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them. With them, a group of people, go and check, go and see what is happening. They came back with the news that Banu Quraida has indeed broken the treaty. They are assisting these allies against us and they were not supposed to do this. So the Prophet sallallahu wa sallam sent two armies, Salama ibn Aslam Radiallahu anhu with 200 men and Zayd ibn Haritha with 300 men protecting Medina Munawwara. Not fighting Banu Quraida at the time, but protecting Medina. Why was this? Because he knew these people would have wanted to perhaps attack Medina or they may give passage to the allied forces in order to enter Medina and then there will be a problem where there will be a trench in front of us and the enemy behind us. So in order to prevent that, the Prophet ﷺ sent these men. And later on, he also had sent Nu'aym ibn Mas'ud as we mentioned yesterday, the one who went right to the enemy who did not know that he had accepted Islam, Nu'aym ibn Mas'ud. And he spoke to Ghatafan and told them that Quraysh is about to leave and they are not trusting you. And he spoke to Quraysh and told them Ghatafan is not trusting you. And he spoke to the Jewish tribe of Banu Nadir that had come, the remnants of them who had come from Khaybar, the likes of Huyay ibn Akhtab and so on. And he told them, do you know what? These people are full of mistrust. And so on. He had caused a lot of chaos on that day. He also went to Banu Qurayza. And he told him, I'm warning you of what happened with Banu Qaynuqa and Banu Nadir. Just be careful. Be careful. These people here, they have some form of assistance with them, which means the Muslims. And so, they were also frightened Banu Qurayza. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the believers from the enemy of within Banu Qurayza. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them victory over These allies who slowly but surely disappeared, as we said, the wind was so strong, it was so cold, it had extinguished their fires, it had caused chaos in their tents, it had also uh, caused lots of uh, difficulty in terms of health. They were very cold, very ill, very sick, they began to become. And at the same time, their horses were running amok because they were not used to this type of weather so they began to leave one after the other and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says remember we are the ones who chased them away we are the ones who granted you victory o messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam allah says idja'ukum min wa min asfalin kum wa idhzagatil absaru wa hanajir wa Remember when they had come from above you and from beneath you. غَطَفَان had come, قُرَيْش had come, Banu Qurayva had intended to harm, and the people from Khaybar had also come. Allah says they came from all over. And when the eyesight became dull, meaning seeing so many people, and the hearts had got right up to the throats. Imagine, today when you're really, really worried, something major is happening, where do you feel your pulse? You suddenly feel it as though your heart has gone right up to your neck. And you can feel it there as though it wants to come out. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Allah says, at that point, the Muslims were zulzilu, they were tested, they were shaken, a very severe shakening, awakening. And they were, their iman was tested. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then they were granted victory. Allahu Akbar. After that they were granted victory. When they had made dua to Allah. And when they had laid their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was now returning after the armies had left. And he was coming back. He was removing his armor. And Jibreel alayhi salatu wa comes to him. And says, The angels have not yet declared this war over. Why was that? Immediately the Prophet ﷺ understood Banu Qurayza need to be fought because they broke their treaty, they intended to kill us, they sided with the other side and yet we had a treaty with them that we would be together on one side, not aid the enemy against one another. And because they did that, the Prophet ﷺ made a famous announcement. He got up in his companions, he says, لَا يُصَلِّيَنَّ أَحَدُنِ إِلَّا فِي بَنِي قريضة. أو لَا يُصَلِّيَنَّ أَحَدُكُمُ إِلَّا فِي بَنِي قريضة. It was the time of Asr, but he had said, none of you should read Salatul Asr until you get to Banu Qurayda. They immediately understood Something is to happen. They jumped on horseback and some of them began to even just run to Banu Quraidah with their weapons. And on the way, the time of Asr began to expire. And I'm going to pause for a moment because we learn a lesson from this. When the time of Asr began to expire, the companions were divided into two groups. One of them said, let's read our Asr. The others said, didn't you hear the words of the Prophet? None of you should read Salatul Asr until you get to Banu Quraidah. So we will adopt the words of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We are going to get to Banu Quraidah. Then we will read our Asr there because today the time of Asr is not connected to the sun setting. It's connected to the place. It will not be valid for us to read it here when we've heard a statement, do not read Asr until you get to Banu Quraidah. You see what they were saying? And the other group said, no, the Messenger was only trying to say that rushed to Banu Quraydah. But he wasn't trying to say, that delay your Asr until it's a time expires. So these were two totally different understandings. One saying, read your Salah. The other one saying, no, let it become Qadha. We read it later on. And so what happened? They agreed that some of them would read, whoever felt it was correct. And they agreed that the others would read later on. When the other party got to Banu Quraydah, the time of Asr was over. They read their Asr. By that time, this party was had arrived. So, In actual fact, they had not really lost time. Because these read Asr, whilst the time displacement was the time it took to read Asr. So when those got there, they had got in time to read Salatul Asr. Enough time for these people to have arrived because they were both reading Salatul Asr. When they met the Messenger ﷺ, they told him what had happened. And very amazing... Very amazing words of the Prophet ﷺ. He says, both of you are correct. Why was that? What was the intention of either party? To follow his words. These people did what they did following his words. But their interpretation was slightly different. And these people did what they did because they followed his words. Their interpretation was slightly different. He says, for as long as you intended obedience, you are correct. Subhanallah, look at this. And this is why we learn that sometimes within the Sharia there may be more than one way of doing things, and both of those ways may be correct. There is no point for us to shove down the throats of people something that we believe is correct when there is evidence to prove that they also are upon the understanding of what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam has said. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a deep understanding. This happened at the time of the battle, just after the battle of Ahzab, on their way to Banu Qurayza. Remember this, it's a very very beautiful incident that occurred. Now when they got to Banu Qurayza, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam surrounded them for 25 nights, and they started asking questions at that time, because they thought that we are going to be protected by our forts. And after some time they became frightened because... They had lasted longer than Banu Nadir and Banu Qaynuqa, and they were perhaps the worst of the lot. And so they started talking, okay, please send us away like Banu Qaynuqa was sent away. The messenger says, No. Well, then do what you did to Banu Nadir with us. He says, No. So then they began talking, What should happen? Because you wanted to fight, you are criminals, you are the people who are really guilty of war crimes against humanity and this is what you have done and he would it would it is easy to know what they had done may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us had it not been for the protection of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one wonders what might have happened to the people in madina munawwara and so the prophet sallallahu then agreed to what they had to say they said okay we have a person who was allied to us in the past and his name is sa'd ibn mu'adh the head of al aus in fact before they got to the head of al aus the Prophet sent Abu Lubaba ibn Abdul Munzir. Remember this name, Abu Lubaba ibn Abdul Munzir was sent because he had a link with the people of Banu Qurayza, and he even had some family there. Because of that, the Prophet sends him and told him, "Go and speak to them and tell them what we are saying, and so on." When he went there, they asked him, "Should we settle for what the Messenger is saying?" And he told them, yes. And he pointed at his neck. Yes. Which means, you people are going to be executed. You are all criminals. Yes. They were shocked. But they understood. When he did that, he was not instructed by the messenger wasallam) to tell them that. Not at all. So he felt immediately that I have engaged in some form of deception. I did something I was not supposed to do. And I have sinned because I went... And gave away something that I knew of the Messenger, which I was not instructed to give away. He came back without going to Rasulullah sallam. He was very shy. He ran to Al Madinah al-Munawwara. He went to Masjid of Rasulullah and he tied himself on one of the pillars. It was a tree stump. He tied himself, and he swore an oath within himself: "I am not going to release myself until I am forgiven." For my sin, he knew that the messenger is going to know what happened because Allah sends wahi and revelation to him, informing him. So this Abu Lubaba, on one hand, is tied; the other hand, Banu Qurayba say, "You know what? We've got a man." They remembered that the previous clans they had asked, like Banu Nadir, they had asked Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. They said, why don't you let him decide. And Abdullah ibn Ubayy, if you recall, he had disrespected the Prophet sallallahu by holding him. And he said, release them, let them go. And the Prophet sallallahu let them go. So on this instance, he asked, or they asked, we want Sa'd ibn Mu'adh, who was very close to us, to come, whatever he says, we will agree. The messenger says, go and bring Sa'd ibn Mu'adh. Where was he? He was... Masjid Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa there was a tent that they had put up in order to look after those who were injured during the battle of the trench. And one of them was Sa'd ibn Mu'adh. He had been hit with some spears and he was injured. So he couldn't really move. They carried him and they brought him to Banu Quraydah. Banu Quraydah were encircled. So when he got there, they were very excited because they thought, this is our man, he'll probably say something nice. So they told Rasulullah this is the man, whatever he says, we'll agree. So Sa'd ibn Mu'adh looks at them, will you agree to whatever I say? They said, yes. He said, oh messenger, these are criminals of the highest order. They are criminals of the highest order. Execute them all. Allahu Akbar. Imagine, sa ibn Mu'ad says, I know these people, they are criminals. They are not to be forgiven. The others, we had forgiven them. They went. What did they do? They brought together a huge army. They are the ones who created that committee of people who went to Quraysh and here and there. And they came to fight us. If you are going to leave these people, look at what they did. They actually wanted to destroy us completely from the back. If it was not for the protection of Allah, we would have been destroyed. Oh Messenger sallam, execute them one after the other because this is more like a court martial. All of them are guilty of war crimes, they need to be executed. One after the other, Banu Quraida was executed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all and grant us goodness. And those who were not criminals, the women and the children and so on, they were considered prisoner of war. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a lesson from this. Sa'd ibn Mu'adh radiyallahu anhu, he had accepted Islam upon the hands of Musab ibn Umayr, radiyallahu anhu. We made mention of it more than once in these series. And he was a name, I had told you remember this name. He was such a powerful leader that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum used to say that in the same way Abu Bakr is considered amongst the Muhajirin Sa'd ibn Mu'adh is considered amongst the Ansar, which means he has a very high standing amongst us. And after the battle of Ahzab, he fell ill, and this injury that he had had did not heal, and it resulted in the death of Sa'd ibn Mu'adh an. One narration says, on that day, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shook with the death of Sa'd ibn Mu'adh an, Taking the ruh of Sa'd ibn Mu'adh an as it was accepted and as it came into al-barzakh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Another narration in Sunan al-Bazzar says, when Sa'd ibn Mu'adh radiyallahu anhu passed away, 70,000 angels came down to carry his janazah, subhanallah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa walked with him, and he went very quickly, because this man, he might have been a small man, he was young in age, quite young in age but he had had deeds that the angels knew, they used to record. And he had had powerful deeds. Sa'd ibn Mu'adh An, One of the people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has really granted goodness to. He was informed of Jannah before he passed away. One day the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam was granted a gift of silk. And the silk, the sahaba عنهم, were touching the silk and saying, oh, how soft the silk is. The Prophet ﷺ said, Do you know how soft the silk is? Well, the silk that Sa'd ibn Mu'adh is dressed in in Jannah is even softer than this. Subhanallah, this was the man. When the Prophet ﷺ buried him, he says, If anyone was to be spared from the punishment of, or should I say, from the narrowing of the grave, in the grave, if anyone was to be spared from the narrowing within the grave, it would have been this worshipper, which means Sa'd ibn Mu'adh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. This was the same man who decided execute all of them because they are war criminals. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness and may He give us even a slight bit of the rank that He had given some of those. Wallahi, we are weak. This is a month of Ramadan, a month of goodness. We are so weak. Let us promise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we will try to be the best of people. And we will try to improve ourselves. Our lives are far easier than the lives of these people who had sacrificed and earned the happiness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why then do we find ourselves in such transgression? May Allah protect us. As for Abu Lubaba, on the other hand, he tied himself. And the Prophet was told his story. The Prophet said, Had he come to me seeking forgiveness, I would have made dua for him. He would have been forgiven. But since he has decided he wants to be forgiven, we will wait for revelation to come and forgive him. So he imposed it on himself, tied himself. Every day he is engaging in tawbah, his wife used to come and release him for salah. He would read salah and get back tied once again and this lasted six days. After six days, revelation came for giving him. So the Prophet ﷺ told his wife Um Salama that revelation has come for giving Abu Lubaba. And the house of Umm Salama was right at the masjid, just adjacent to the masjid of Rasulullah ﷺ. So she says, O Messenger, can I inform him? He said, yes. So she said with a loud voice, O oh Abu Lubaba, revelation has come to you for giving you. Oh, revelation has come to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam you, about you. He says, I'm not going to release myself until I'm released by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He must come and tell me. Subhanallah. وَآخَرُونَ اَعْتَرَفُوا بِذُنُوبِهِمْ خَلَطُوا وَآخَرَ عَسَى اللَّهُ إِنَّ There are some who had done good deeds but spoiled them with a few bad deeds. Seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will forgive them. For indeed Allah is most forgiving, most merciful. The lesson for us all. We have good deeds, we have bad deeds. Never lose hope in the mercy of Allah. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, the mercy of Allah is not far away. It is very near. We need to seek it and we need to be serious about it. And wallahi, it descends upon us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us forgiveness. And this is when... Uh, he was forgiven, and then Abu Lubaba, up to this day, if you go to Al Madinatul Munawwara in what is known as a Rawdah, al Rawdah, the Prophet says, Between my house and my mimbar is a garden from the gardens of paradise. So if you go there, it is demarcated with a different color of carpet. And if you look at the pillars, they are different. They have some marble on them. And if you look further up, there are names on the pillars. One of them, you will see, to Abi Lubaba. You will see the pillar of Abu Lubaba. It used to be a tree stump. Later on, they demarcated it. Now they have put up a proper pillar. And that means, this is the place where this man had tied himself. Now when you go there, you will know what is the meaning of the term, to Abi Lubaba. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us all and grant us goodness. The verses of hijab were also revealed after the battle of Ahzab, where the verses which had instructed us how to be speaking to the opposite sex, the limits of it, the lowering of the gaze, how we should be addressing the wives of the messenger sallallahu from behind a screen. All this is revealed in the Quran. How the women should be, when they leave their homes, putting on an outer cloak, an outer garment. In fact let me read the verse for you Ya ayuhan nabiy qul azwajika wa banatika wa nisa almu'minin yudnina 'alayhinna min jalabib min jalabibihim O messenger Tell your wives, your daughters, and the believing females that they should don, they should wear the outer garment, the julbab, that which comes from the top to the bottom, the outer garment. And this is when they would leave their homes or when they would be in the presence of a non-mahram, a strange man who is marryable In Islam, anyone whom you can marry is strange to you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. So this laid down the foundations of the dress code in Islam. From this day on, things changed in Madinatul Munawwara. So much so, that when this verse of Ahzab came, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa they say, May Allah's mercy be upon the women of the Ansar. When the verse of Hijab came, they all had covered themselves as though they were crows in a black outer garment. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. It's not compulsory to wear the color black, but it is better to wear a darker color because it is astar. It actually covers you better. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and grant us goodness and open our doors. So hijab was also revealed during or just after that particular battle. And at the same time, uh, it's important that we make note of something that had happened in the battle of ذات Riqa'. There is difference of opinion as to when exactly ذات الرقاء took place. It was a battle where when the Muslims' time for prayer had come, the non-Muslims had thought, when these people go to sajda, we can wipe them out. Because they have to pray. And when they are praying, they all go down in prostration. When they are prostrating, it will be easy to wipe them out. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, <laughs> When you are traveling on land and you are fearful, you are scared, meaning there is fear of the enemy attacking you, there is no harm in changing the salah. When we say changing the salah, meaning the physical postures and movements of salah for that moment, there will be a difference in it. In what way? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا كُنتَ فِيهِمْ فَأَقَمْتَ لَهُمُ الصَّلَاةَ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ مَعَكَ Long verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of in surah al-Nisa and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says There should be a group of people when they go down to sajda, there must be another group of people who have not gone down to sajda and they are waiting with their weapons. Allahu Akbar. When these have completed with their sajda, these people will then go down to their sajda and those will be waiting with their weapons. So they will take turns. Allahu Akbar. Look at the salah. And when they had done this, the mushriks were shocked because their plan... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The disbelievers had hoped that whilst you are oblivious of your items and your armor and your your belongings, they could have wiped you out at once. And Allah says, You change, you can change the method or the physical method. A method of salah for that particular time where one group goes down, the other one is waiting. When that one comes up, this one goes down, whilst that one is waiting. Subhanallah. Then they join together. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. This had also come down. Another very interesting point I want to make mention of is that Zayd ibn Thabit, anhu, the Prophet told him, "Oh Zayd, I need you I need you to learn the language, the Hebrew language, because we don't trust these people and we would like to know this language. Zayd ibn Thabit anhu, started learning Hebrew within 15 days. He learned the Hebrew language completely and he was a master at it. Later on, when the Prophet wasallam, wrote letters to some of the kings, he had told him to learn a different language known as Assyrianiya. And he learned it again in less than a month. I have a question, we all say I want to learn Arabic, anytime you see someone they say I want to learn Arabic, I want to learn Arabic, forget about 15 days, 15 years have gone by we still don't know the language, look at the dedication of those and where is our dedication, may Allah open us and open our doors, may he make it easy for us, at least if not 15 days then 15 months and if not 15 months come on, 15 years can go by. But would you know something? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us dedication. I think if we all learn a few words a day of the Arabic language, believe me, within a short space of time we would know a lot. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. Then there is an incident in history that we are going to make mention of today. There was a man known as Zayd ibn Harithah. Not the same Zayd ibn Thabit we spoke about languages about, no. Another man known as Zayd ibn Harithah. If you remember, he was the slave boy who was freed by Rasulullah sallallahu and he accepted Islam right at the beginning. And he refused to go back with his parents. He was so close to the messenger, the messenger sallallahu had adopted him and he was known as Zayd ibn Muhammad. Zayd the son of Muhammad. Everyone knew him as Zayd ibn Muhammad. Zayd the son of Muhammad. So this was something that the people at that time were indulged in, engrossed in, very deeply believing in. What was this belief? You adopt someone, you change their name to your own name, and you begin to say, this person is son of so-and-so, yet they are not. But just because you've adopted them, you've changed their name. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted this to be crushed forever. It was a belief where, remember, nasab and your lineage is sacred. Allah created you, and He chose for you, your parents, whether they are good or bad is besides the point. You have to be linked to your father, whether you like him or you don't like him. You will be called not by your mother's name on the day of Qiyamah. No, no, not at all. Those who think you are going to be called by your mother's name in order to protect people from adultery and being, meaning being exposed on that day, that is not true. It is completely fabricated. No, you will be called your name son of so-and-so with your father's name. The story is over that is authentic and without a dispute. So the Prophet ﷺ says, give your children good names because they will be called by their names and their father's names on the day of Qiyamah. Now at that time, they were saying Zayd ibn Muhammad. The Prophet ﷺ had adopted him. Then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had with His divine wisdom, obviously planned something there was a cousin of the Prophet ﷺ by the name of Zainab bint Jahsh. Her mother was the aunt of Rasulullah ﷺ, Umaymah bint Abdul Muttalib. And she was the aunt of Rasulullah and this was the cousin. He told her, O oh Zainab, I would like you to marry Zayd. Zayd meaning Zayd ibn Muhammad, this man, Zayd ibn Haritha, who was known at that, at that time as that. So she said, No man, I don't want to marry him. He is, you know, formerly a slave and he is like this and like that and so on. And he, this Zayd was married to someone known as Ummu Ayman. And he, she had had his child known as Usama ibn Zayd. Ummu Ayman was a woman from Africa, as we had told you. She looked after Rasulullah from the point of birth right up to adulthood, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That was Ummu Ayman. And the Prophet ﷺ made an announcement, whoever wants to marry a woman from paradise, marry this woman, and Zayd ibn Haritha married her. This was Ummu Ayman. Now, Zaynab bin Tajsh is saying, I don't want to marry him. But, the Prophet ﷺ said, this is an instruction. Verses were revealed. Listen to the verses. We need them today, desperately mu'minatin It is not for a believing male or a believing female that when Allah and His Rasul have decided something and commanded and instructed something that they think they have a choice in that regard. A believing male and women... A believing male and female, when Allah and His Messenger have instructed something, they know they have no choice in that regard. They must get it done. That's a sign of belief. May Allah grant it to us. Today someone says, you know brother, interest is haram. You say, no man, I heard that if you do it this way, that way, then it's okay. My interest is haram. Close the door and carry on. Someone says, you know, adultery is haram. No, but those people, they, they can do something temporary, you know. Astaghfirullah. Why use different names? Why say different things? Why con yourself? Surrender to the law of Allah. So the Prophet when he said this, Zainab bin Tijah says, I hear and I obey. And she married this man, Zaid ibn Harithah. anhu. It so happened, that he had a difficulty... There was no compatibility. We believe they were both sahaba. It was Allah's divine plan. There was no compatibility. Zainab bint Jash did not get along with Zayd ibn Haritha, And he did not get along with her. We don't know of the details of what happened. But the most respectful term for us to say is, there was no compatibility. Two brilliant people but brought up slightly differently. And therefore you find difference. And he used to come complaining to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa used to tell him, Fear Allah and hold her. Ittaqillah. Fear Allah and hold her. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then sent revelation to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa telling him, informing him, that he will be married off to Zainab bint Jahsh after Zayd divorces Zainab. And the reason for this is, so that people know that Zayd is not your son. And so that the laws of adoption be made clear in Islam and distinguished from the laws of adoption that had reigned at the time of the pagan Arabs. For that reason. It was very clear. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then speaks about Zaid radiallahu anhu and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala got Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married from the heavens. The marriage was done from the heavens. He went in, the mahar was 400 dirhams, and he had paid her the mahar after Zayd ibn Harith had divorced her. And the idda period was over, and he took her as a wife, made an announcement, and had a walima amongst his companions. And the people were very, very amazed because they learned something through the revelation that had come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَلَمَّا قَضَى زَيْدٌ مِّنْهَا وَطَرًا زوَجْنَاكَ When Zaid رضي الله عنه divorced her we got her married to you O oh, Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم لِكَيْ لَا يَكُونَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ حَرَجْ فِي أَزْوَاجِ أَدْعِيَائِهِمْ إِذَا قَضَوْا مِنْهُنَّ وَطَرًا So that none of you could have any form of doubt regarding the marriage of a person to the ex-wife of his so-called adopted son. Which means this is not your son. If he was your real son, you would never be allowed to marry her. Because that was your daughter-in-law prohibited upon you even after she is divorced. So this was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the same surah known as surah al-Ahzab, remember this all happened after al-Ahzab. Right at the beginning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you open the pages of surah al-Ahzab, very interesting, powerful surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those whom you are claiming to have adopted, we have not made them your sons. They are not your sons. Allah says, اُدْعُوهُم لِأَبَائِهِمْ هُوَ Call them with their father's names. That is justice according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why it is totally prohibited to lie and say, this is so and so, son of so and so, knowing that this is not true. If you've adopted someone, You can always inform them. They need to know who they are. Lineage is sacred in Islam. And this is why the hadith says, whoever changes lineage, knowing that this is untrue, they will not smell the scent of heaven. Allahu Akbar. They will not smell the scent of heaven because it is sacred. And whoever calls themselves with a name besides that of their fathers, meaning son of so and so. You see surnames... A surname is something that people create. A man sends, sells milk, they call him so-and-so milkman. You know, a man sells, I know in Urdu they would say, or in Gujarati they would say, dudwala, which means a person who sells milk. For example, in another language, they might say, Najjar, which means a car- carpenter. They will say, so a surname is just something that people are known by. No harm in surnames. We're not worried. But at the same time, to say that this person is the son of so-and-so, or to give people the feeling that this person is actually belonging to someone whom he is not belonging to. That is what we are talking about. Allah says, even if you don't know their parents, you should call them, these are the sons of Abdullah. These are the children فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ These are the children, our brothers in Islam. This is the verses of Surah Al-Ahzab. And I invite you to pick up the Qur'an and read the opening verses of Surah Al-Ahzab to see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said. Because adoption as was known at the time of Quraysh was abolished completely. So what remained? What remained is the virtue of looking after children who do not belong to you. That's all it was. It's just looking after children. You have fostered children who are not yours. We still have jahiliya in us. We still have ignorance in us whereby people don't have children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them. After some time they adopt, And they get so upset if you say, is this your child? What do you mean, is this my child? Is this my son? Allahu Akbar. But you sound like a man from Quraysh. Allah protect us. That's not supposed to be the case. Don't be embarrassed. Tell those children from a young age, we love you the most. We love you so much that we want to look after you. We will ensure that you have a good upbringing. We will be just as your parents, but your parents are someone else. This is Islam. We need to be honest and open. And we need to make amends. There is nothing wrong. And every time we speak about this, because of the western system, that sometimes we find ourselves drowning in, people are shocked. They say, what? We've never heard this before. But this is the deen from the beginning. It is known just like wudu and salah. This is the, the law. Anyone who wanted to know it, it's in the Quran. You can just open it and see Surah ahzab Read what it says there. Allahu Akbar. Clear cut verses. Do not call someone your son when he is not your son. It's over. And the only time a person is to be called by the name of the mother is when that child is illegitimate or the father is unknown. Allah protect us. If you find in the whole book, in all the scriptures from the beginning right to the end, the only person who is called the son of a mother is Isa. Isa Jesus the son of Mary. Why? He did not have a father. It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who miraculously caused the birth of Jesus. May peace be upon him. So that is why he is known as Jesus, the son of Mary. When it comes to anyone else, they are never referred to as son of so and so with the mother's name. Nowadays I know of cases where the mothers feel that you know we have equal rights so now you must, you must put my name in the name as well. So they say so and so, son of the mother, son of the father. Allahu Akbar. You are not going to lose or gain anything by that. This is Allah's plan. Allah says, you are called by your father. So it's nothing bad. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness and may he open our doors and grant us acceptance. So Zayd ibn Haritha radiyallahu anhu from that day nobody ever called him Zayd ibn Muhammad again. Everything that had happened even when hadith was recorded his name was recorded as Zayd ibn Haritha from the very beginning because they had recorded it after this verse was revealed and for your information the only companion of rasulullah sallallahu whose name is in the quran is Zayd. Zayd ibn haritha and this is in suratul ahzab and this shows the love no one must think the messenger didn't love him look they changed the name allah loves him so much he was known as hibbu rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the most beloved to the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to Put his name in the Qur'an, yet the names of the other companions are not in the Qur'an. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open our doors and grant us goodness. Tomorrow inshallah, we will go straight into the events that led up to the, to the treaty of Hudaybiyah and why exactly it happened and how exactly it happened. But before we get there inshallah and before we close this evening, I'd like to make mention that there were many skirmishes that took place after the battle of the trench. Why were there many skirmishes? Because there were so many parties that had taken part in that particular alliance that the Muslims had scores to settle. They had to go to those people who had engaged in a crime before. Those people, the people of Raji' who had slaughtered the 10 companions we spoke about and so on. So these battles had taken place All of them, the Muslims, were victorious. In fact, most of them, there was no actual battle. It was just a skirmish. When the Muslims had come, these people were frightened. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. Inshallah, we will see how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had a dream. And in his dream, he saw that he himself with his companions were entering Mecca, whilst their heads were shaved and some of them their hair was very cut very short and they were going into Makkah and he knew that this means we should be going for Umrah and therefore he made an announcement amongst his companions we will now proceed for Umrah. How are they going to go? Quraysh is waiting there with armies. The people around are all waiting with all their enmity and hatred tomorrow we will see what happened inshallah until then we sallallahu wa sallama wa muhammad